Welcome to the, uh, what is this called? Smarten Up with JP and Fab. Uh, it's a podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Matt Ordor, uh, Matthew Ordor uh, from Ordor Law. Uh, we've done a lot of business with Matt over the last, what, maybe two years now? Two, three years. Two, yeah, two yeah, three years. years, yeah. Yeah. So lawyer, lawyers are one of the, the tough points for, for Fab and I because uh, they, they always uh, fuck up. And as you'll see, Fab probably reviews all of your documents over and over and over again. This is a comment you made, but this is part of the reason why Fab does this is just because lawyers have been a very tough spot for us. Uh, but so far, you've been great. So let's start. Right. So um, we previously covered just the basics of incorporating a company, the benefits of incorporation, and sort of the mechanics of getting a corporation up and running. What I want to talk about now is sort of shutting down a business, right? So, you know, let's say you've had a corporation, you've been self-employed for a while, then you decide to leave and get into another business or whatever whatever the purpose uh, of the change is, but shutting down your business, specifically shutting down uh, a small corporation or a privately held corporation. And I want to cover, A, first the mechanics of it, like what is the procedures, what are the filings that have to be done, and then B, what are the considerations that we have to think about as small business owners when we do uh, shut down, dissolve, wind up, whatever you want to call it, a corporation? Okay, so let's start with the mechanics. What are the mechanics to actually get a, a small business shut down? I think, uh, you know, the first issue that you got to think about if is, you know, you know, is it the right move to shut my business down? And if you've got yourself there, I think the first question has to be, what are my liabilities? What are my, who are my creditors? Okay, because I think that those people need to be taken care of, which includes CRA. Okay, so if you, you'll have to sort of take stock of where you're at, who you owe money to, and not just who, who you owe money to, but what live obligations are out there? Do I have a lease for commercial premises? Okay. Do I owe suppliers money? Okay. Uh, are my, where am I with my employees if I have any employees? So I think you're going to have to take stock of all of those sort of interest groups and say, you know, how do I square up with these people? Okay. I think that's a first step because, because paying your liabilities comes first. Okay, and then if there's anything left, you'll distribute to your shareholders, okay, the excess, and then you'll actually uh, do a formal document called the Articles of Dissolution. You'll do that whether you're provincial or federal. So you'll dissolve your company legally. My understanding, you guys know better, is then you'll fi file a final tax return with the government. Okay, so I think there's some probably some other admin stuff, closing your bank accounts, that kind of stuff. But I think one of the first questions should be, who do I owe? What are my obligations? Can I wind these down? You may have to make some phone calls, okay, to, to, to properly terminate your business. I think that's one of the first considerations. I like the first thing you said, though. You said, and we've, we've alluded to some of our clients to this, is do I shut it down? Do you shut it down? Right. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of times we we because we're very heavy with with real estate investors will say to them, hey, maybe we don't shut this company down. Maybe in two years you use it to purchase real estate instead of absorbing the cost to shut down. 
and then the cost to reincorporate another company. I think that's a good point. The other <clears> thing <throat> I'd mention too is, uh, do I have the consent to shut it down? I think the other aspect is not where are my 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 debts and my obligations, liabilities, but what about my the uh, the stakeholders, the shareholders? Uh, do I have everybody on board to shut this business down? Right. Okay, but it just came to me the other day. I was saying to you guys earlier is that you know um, somebody in the context of a professional corporation. Um, had sort of mistakenly incorporated a federal company. Um, I think she's a, a psychologist and it had to be a provincial company. So she had talked to her college and they said, you got to re sort of essentially reincorporate. So her first thought was, okay, let me dissolve my federal company. And I think my advice was, before you knee jerk on that, think about whether or not, you're gonna have to file your tax return anyways for this year. Think about whether or not you'll, you could make use of that company in a different context. So to your point, JP, you don't shut it down and then you know they decide to buy a piece of real estate or do something else within their family that they need a company for and they had it and they got rid of it. Okay, so there's, that's actually really good advice. I mean, there's a bunch of considerations, I guess, you know, are your contracts, complete right do you have an open contract with a customer or whatever do you have other obligations financial obligations that you have to take care of before you even go the route of winding the, or dissolving the company but procedurally i guess it's really filing articles of dissolution and filing your final tax return filing your final um hst return whatever your t4s basically it's just procedural i think it's procedural but it, within that articles of dissolution document you have to tick a box and you know um one of the boxes to tick is i have provided for my creditors okay or i never had any creditors or nobody's owed any money so i think that is you know part of the procedure to look at the different interest groups creditors or uh you know uh, shareholders employees and make sure these people are squared up with i remember doing law in university and i, I for some reason this just popped in I mean, do you not have to do like publish on a, some gazette? That I think that was for di dissolving a partnership, a oh, general okay. partnership. You have to take an ad out in the gazette. Okay. I haven't done that too much. Right. I may have skipped that step a few times. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anybody. Yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, I just never said. Well, I don't said but who reads the gazette anyways? I don't yeah. even know but, what but is, I, what I, is well, the gazette. We don't even have any general partnerships. Yeah. yeah. Like I've never, yeah. you know, other made me a husband and wife partnership, mm -hmm. whatever. What, what about, I mean, what about those people who. But who, think about that for a minute. Yeah. Like the like the publishing in the gazette. I mean, this is something from like 1902. I know. When people <laughs> read the gazette. Because now you don't even know what is the gazette. Uh, right? Is that animal? like Facebook, but the Gazette? <laughs> like, I don't know where, where, where is the Gazette? Yeah, publish you know? on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're going to change I'm it. I'm going bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, 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 is, uh, what about statute of limitations? I mean, for, for any creditors, because let's say you do uh, dissolve your company uh, and you don't do it correctly or you just shut it down, you don't advise your creditors. Uh, will this follow you outside of the corporation? I think it will. I, I can't comment exactly on that process, but I think it will. And I think that if you're, you know, um, I just had a situation where um, somebody came to me, they had a lease, they were going to open a cannabis store. They signed a lease, which was conditional on getting the license all in order. And for whatever reason, they had a clause in the lease. I didn't work on I didn't do the lease for them, but they had a clause in the lease saying if they couldn't get it by a certain time, 
the license that they would have the right to terminate the lease. So they just abandoned the project altogether. And the landlord said, well, you didn't technically follow the provision. You have to go and really try to get the license. So the landlord has this you know, claim against this company. So what does the client go do? Like the next day they, they get all spooked and they dissolve the company. And there's this potential claim sitting there. And I remember they got a lawyer's letter about this, and the lawyer actually made the argument that the directors now are personally responsible because they went and did something they shouldn't have done and you know, really spooked the client. How far that's going to go, I'm not sure. I, I tended to think I was sort of on the side of the client in terms of the argument overall. But I do think it can follow you. It's not going to get you out of, for example, a CRA liability. To dissolve. Lots of people think that. Lots of people come to me, and I think the question is for the lawyer is, why are you dissolving, sir or ma'am? What is the, what is the, you know, what's behind this for you? And I, in a lot of cases, they believe that by dissolving, they're going to be able to sweep away the liabilities of the business that are sitting there. And in particular for CRA, I mean, do you guys apply for, because I'm not involved in dissolutions. This has always been legal and fab side. Um, do you guys apply for the status certificate? It's a clearance certificate from CRA technically, right? Um, we apply for, are you talking about like the ministry consent to dissolve? No. So well, yeah, CRA, I'm asking. Like, a, like a, a clearance certificate, the accountants would okay. always get that. But from the, the you guys would go with the ministry. So. We typically do that. Now they just came out and said October, late October, they're doing away with that consent. Okay. We just got notification. So you of just that. file articles of dissolution. So you don't and... require ministry consent on. T you never did uh, federally. You never required the consent federally and provincially. You did. It usually takes six to eight weeks to get back. I think they're just doing a quick, quick check to see if you owe any money, because they won't give you that if they know that you owe money to them. So I think the main point is before you dissolve, you really need to make get all your ducks lined up, right? Like yeah. you need to see who do you owe money to, what open contracts you may or may not have that you may have forgotten of. Um, all of these things could potentially follow the director. I personally. think it can follow them. And the other thing is, you know, the cost benefit. What is it just to sit with the company, you know? And then and, and see how, like, if you guys know that if there's no income, no action, no activity, maybe that's a better solution. File a nil tax return, keep your company live. So don't knee jerk with it. But I think a, a big mistake with people is that they think that by dissolving their company, uh, they somehow avoid liability. So, for example, here's the, here's the liability. Is if you, had, if, if you have nothing in the company, Okay, and it's clear that the company owes the creditor, not you personally. Put aside the CRA thing, okay? I don't think by dissolving the company, in my sort of um, my estimation, that creates personal liability on you where there was none, okay? What is a problem is if you have $50,000 in the bank and you decide to pull that out for yourself, and then say, sorry, no more money for my creditors, let's dissolve the company. That's what's called a fraudulent conveyance or a fraudulent preference. So I think that's what's going to attract the personal liability. If you've taken money out and not provided for your creditors or provided for the government, right. where and you could have. And the fraudulent conveyance, they can go back 12 months? Or I'm not sure. Longer? I'm not sure how long they can go back, but I think that they can, I, you know, I, I mean, there's a statute of limitations uh, for making a claim. 
I don't even know if it applies to fraud, the statute of limitations. It's just something that's not on the tip of my tongue. Okay. Okay. So from that perspective, uh, particular perspective, we were talking before we started recording, um, you know, we get once in a while these, these individuals who incorporate a company and then they'll do a six month stint, um, a six month contract for whatever computer programming or IT consulting or whatever with BMO. Then they'll go to a small company for eight months. Then they'll go to RBC for 12 months. And then all of a sudden they're offered an executive position somewhere and they're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to get paid like 400 grand a year at uh, this other bank. I don't need this corporation anymore. I'm going to dissolve it. What are the risks in in that sort of capacity where these individuals are essentially one, one person shops and it's consulting and it's all based on them? So a lot of these people, most of these people operate without liability insurance, which I think is crazy. I think you should always have liability insurance, no matter what you're doing. They think they're never going to get sued. Then, you know, they close out, uh, they close out a, a contract, a short-term contract, six months, eight months with somebody, and then they go ahead and dissolve. What are the risks there for those types of individuals? Um, I think the, essentially the same considerations that if you would have uh, creditors or liabilities to take care of, you have to provide for them. I think it's a practical thing is, you know, you've gone to this expense of incorporating a company. Um, that particular assignment is completed. Uh, you're going to have to file a T2 tax return anyways. Uh, why not just sit with the company and wait for the next opportunity that may or may not come around? So I just think it's a, it's a knee-jerk type reaction, just making the assumption that I'll never need this again. Okay? So, I, I, again, I think it goes back to, I mean, if, if there's certain there's no claims and the situation's done and they're comfortable that they don't owe anybody, then I think they're within their rights to dissolve. But I think there could be potentially just incurring expense. They don't need to. They're going to have to go through the dissolution process, which costs money to do. And then the next, uh, the next gig they have that could require them to incorporate. And a lot of people are asking people to incorporate now. Banks or uh, different sort of, uh, you know, sometimes you'll work for a, uh, a placement agency will place you. They're requiring people to incorporate now. So just to me, it seems like why not just keep it sitting there? and see if you could make use of it down the road. CRA even asks people to incorporate. I think this is where, maybe this is an urban CRA legend. CRA does? Yeah, yeah consultants. I, I think, I don't know if it's an urban legend or not, but I think that this whole incorporated individual consultant concept started, I could be completely botching this, but I think it started with the CRA hiring consultants. I think if, but I, I, you know, I'll, I'll verify that, but you see it very often. And I think, you know, what these large companies are trying to do is circumvent employment law. I totally that's, agree that's what that. I think they're trying to do, because if you have employees, you have just a crap ton of additional obligations legally. Um, by having these employees, you have, owe them all these duties. There's severance pay, there's this, there's that. Whereas if you just hire a contractor and you can design it such that they are truly a contractor from an employment law perspective, it's a lot easier. It's like, okay, your contract is done. And if we need you for the next one, 
yeah, we'll give you another contract. Matt right? really wants to, Matthew really wants to answer on this, but no, yeah. we're di- that is a completely different topic, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Stay on point. Yeah. No, I, but I, I do think they're looking for that extra level of protection to say that this person is not an employee. So I totally agree with you because a, a corporation cannot be an employee. Right. right? So I think they're, they're, they're looking for that. In fact, I've heard where they'll say, we'll pay you extra. We'll pay you more money if you decide to do the job through a corporation. Right. Now, from a liability point of view, what I will point out is, and we've reviewed some of these agreements where they sign on with a bank for a year term or six month term, is they're gonna ask both the corporation and typically the individual to be a party to the agreement because there's lots of restrictive covenants in that agreement regarding confidentiality, uh, IP ownership, non-solicitation of clients and employees, that kind of stuff. And they want the individual to be bound by the agreement anyways as well. So I'm not sure you're getting a lot of liability protection in those circumstances. It's an example where they're going to make both the individual and the corporation a party to the agreement. But uh, it seems to be required. It's very common. I'll get a lot of requests a week for that. I'm required to incorporate, and uh, and uh, and it's part of the job. It's part of a requirement to get the job. So I guess in this particular situation, if those covenants or th- those provisions are included in the contract, then whether they dissolve or not is, you know, it, it's a sunk cost. Let's call it. It doesn't matter. Right. Dissolving the company is not going to do away with any liability there. Yeah. Or or, or keeping the company open will not, they're going to lift the corporate veil anyways because they signed personally on that particular contract. Right. A lot of times we'll try to um, have them not sign personally when we do a contract review in that context. You won't be able to get away with that with a really bigger employer like a bank. Um, But we've been successful before. So that does help. To your point as well about the costs, now that you bring this up about the costs of dissolving is... Now you've finished a eight, 12 month contract. You got all this money in your company. So if I dissolve, I got to, I got to flow that money out, which could be paying tax sooner than I need to. Yeah. That's a liquidating dividend. So I, I, I think the, I mean, anybody that's running a company that is looking at shutting it down, I, I, I think planning is upfront and necessary. What are we going to, let's try and use this. Is there money in there? If we take it out, that's a liquidating dividend. We're going to pay big tax on that. Leave it in here. Use it to invest as a hold co and, and say la vie. Let it run. That's- Lots of people come to us and the, the situation is um, I'm coming from Alberta. I have a, a medicine professional corporation in Alberta and I'm moving to Ontario. So I'm going to have to incorporate my medicine professional corporation in Ontario and we want to continue the Alberta company in Ontario and how much is that and this and that. Um, or we want to dissolve the, you know, Alberta company and reincorporate. So, you know, uh, to JP's point, a lot of times we'll just say, hey, listen, convert it to a holding company. How much money do you have in there right now? Maybe use that money if it's not massive. Use that money first for family expenses so that you can bring it down to nothing. Consider dissolving at that point and then just save in your new company. Right. Right. In, in that case, are you not able to file continuance? We can, but okay. it's costly. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. And continuance is what? Uh, moving a Alberta company to an Ontario company? Yep. 
or okay. an Alberta company to a federal company or from a province to the fed federal jurisdiction or from the federal jurisdiction or from a province to another province right. or from the federal jurisdiction to a and, province. And, and price comparative, how, how much more expensive I would is say that? For us, um, 50%? Twice. Double, so it's 100%. So yeah, okay. I mean, maybe, you know, 75%. It's, okay. it's an expensive process. you got to get consent sometimes on both sides right. with Ontario <laughs> and the jurisdiction you're going into. Um, so I think it's it's uh, it's worth looking at, and again, I think one of the things is should we just keep this company and maybe make it a, a, a you know use it for a different purpose? Right. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I think you can even do cross border continuance to, but like in, in those cases, it's it's really complicated. But I think you have to do it in some certain cases. But to your point, that's an administrative headache. Right. When when you have uh, especially with like physicians and, and professionals, you know, they're like, I just want to dissolve this B.C. company and start fresh. But there's tax considerations. There's legal considerations. It could be a disaster. So that's actually a really good point. Um, just keep it. Keep the retained earnings. Utilize that for living expenses or whatever. Um, and, or you can use it as investment and, you know, continue to purify the new corporation or just right. charge a management fee over yeah, to yeah. it and well that's the thing out. like these professional corporations you can't <laughs> use right? this guy as yeah. your accountant <laughs> yeah, yeah. use this guy as your accountant yeah so i guess um the big considerations then i think from from the disillusion uh perspective really are you know making sure you do do not have creditors number one um what are you going to do with the retained earnings of the company number two are you going to be have a use for this company down the road? Number three, because really to, to file a nil tax return every year, it's not really a big deal, right? It's not a super expensive or time-consuming endeavor. So maybe you, we want to use it down the road, right? So anybody who's really listening, who's running their own business, they want to they want to um, shut down a bit. Don't just go out and file article. I mean, you could just do it yourself, right? For whatever it is, the, the government filing fee. You can go out and do it yourself and file articles of dissolution on your own, but you could be opening up a can of worms here. Like, in my opinion, tax, legal, practicality, right? I don't think uh, just to save a couple hundred bucks, I don't think it's worth it. I think you should really consult with both the accountant and, and the lawyer before making a move like that. Yeah. Agreed. Matt, how do people find you? Uh, we have a website, orderwerlaw.com. How do you spell order? O R D. Let me think. O R D O W E R L A W dot com. Okay. So it's orderwerelaw.com. So we have a website. Um, we're out there in the digital space doing our thing. So a lot of people find us that way through AdWords or online marketing stuff. Um, but um, yeah, so we're out there. And which, what's your ideal uh, clients? I would say. Um, uh, startup companies. We get a lot of people starting up. We get a lot of people, a lot of professionals incorporating. We do a lot of business incorporation. It's one of our key things that we do. Um, and then we do, uh, so we get a lot of people that are starting new businesses, whether alone or in partnership. We get a lot of professionals that are incorporating. And we get a lot of people that are off to the races, but need to put agreements in place or need to uh, rent office space or commercial space or looking at buying a business or selling their business. So those kinds of people. But I think we cater to entrepreneurs and small business people 
Um, and we're just happy doing that because I think we can deliver the most value that way. Yeah. We talked their language. How long did it take you to, to, to figure that out? It's funny. When I first went out on my own, it was, say, eight, nine years ago. I can't remember. Um, I built a website. And I remember designing this website with what I thought I was going to be as a lawyer, what I thought I would do. And then we redesigned the website four years ago or three years ago. And it was a great growth thing because it was a website that spoke to who we are now. So when we talk about finding out who we are, we just, it just took time. I'm not a suit and tie guy, as you can tell. So I am a big, um, I'm, you know, so I was online doing my thing. We're on the phone a lot. We're available to people. Um, it's sort of everyday people looking who have business issues, looking to start up and stuff. Not as many zeros on the end of their situations, but still just as important to them. And so that's where our sweet spot is. And we're happy to be in that sweet spot. We're not trying to compete with big, huge law firms that do sophisticated, you know, multi-million dollar transactions. We're not suited for it. And so we're just happy sort of helping uh, everyday people with their business stuff. We take it seriously. We're meticulous. And uh, we just care about what we do. And we care about our clients. That's it. Cool. Perfect. So um, two questions before we send you off. When are you starting your podcast and are you going to have us on as the first guest? I'm definitely going to have you on uh, to our for, for our Zoom Thursdays for sure to start. <laughs> both of you guys, both of you guys. Um, but, you know, maybe the podcast will come. But uh, listen, it was a pleasure to talk to you guys. I'll tell you that much. And meet you. You yeah. know, it's been years. Cool. It's been years just virtual, you know, so it's about time. So I'm happy to make the trek from Toronto for sure. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks, man. Awesome.